0: We're continuing in our series from the Last Supper, and uh, we're uh, in part five today. Um, I'd like to, uh, in fact, I think it's part six even. We're further ahead than I thought. Um, And I'd like to open this morning with a little bit of a story, uh, if I may. Um, I want to take you back in time to 2004, and uh, I was in another church back then. And uh, in this church, we had a friend of ours called Claire. Now, Claire had uh, multiple sclerosis. Uh, And for those of you who know about multiple sclerosis, it's a degenerative disease that it it kind of attacks the brain and the spinal cord. um, And it means that uh, movement and mobility and coordination gets impaired. You can sometimes have pins and needles. Uh, You can't do the things that you need to do. Um, There's one kind where it kind of stays sort of pretty much the same. And there's another kind which gets progressively worse. And often people who have multiple sclerosis uh, can end up uh, in wheelchairs or needing a lot of assistance to live their lives. Now, Claire uh, in our church had multiple sclerosis. Um, But she was a very, very cheerful uh, and upbeat lady. Uh, You kind of wouldn't let, you you wouldn't know that she struggled with this illness in terms of her mental state a lot of the time. She was often the most cheerful person there. Uh, And she had this uh, desire uh, for us to uh, go with her on a a kind of a bucket list thing that she had, which was called the MS Challenge, the Multiple Sclerosis Challenge. And what this was, was a, a race around some mountains in northern Wales. It's about six miles long, this course, but the difference was it wasn't just kind of running or cycling or doing something standard, it was uh, taking Claire in her wheelchair, putting a couple of poles down either side where the wheels are, lifting her on our shoulders, and then kind of jogging around this course with her on our shoulders. That was what she wanted to do. She's a crazy woman, but she thought, no, this would be awesome. And I can use this as an excuse to raise some money for the hospital uh, team that look after me, uh, kind of back home, uh, you know, she had a, 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 a team looking after her, so she wanted to kind of say thanks to them and raise some money for that unit. So before I kind of realized what I was getting into, I said, absolutely, Claire, we'll do this, that's fine. And then we sort of pulled a team together and I got some friends from work to help, some friends from church, and uh, we drove up to North Wales. <clears throat> we camped the night, woke up in the morning, you know, had bacon butties, lots of banter, lots of chat, you know. And then we got a wheelchair. Now, it wasn't her normal wheelchair because her normal wheelchair's got like, had a lot of electronic stuff on it. We got her a very basic one. Um, so in case we dropped her, or, you know, we weren't hoping to drop her, by the way, but in case things went wrong it wasn't going to damage the expensive nature of her wheelchair. So we got this basic wheelchair, we put two poles through it, we strapped it in, we tried lifting her on our shoulders, and she was in there, and she was like, "What, you know, and that's a, that's a load for us to carry that. You know, she's a uh, she and her wheelchair were heavy. Sorry, Claire, if you ever watch this, but it was quite a weight. Um, uh, and then, of course, we, you know, she was taking a step of faith because she might have, tipped out and she was wobbling around the place and you know we had to keep it flat because you need you know if you can imagine being lifted on a chair you need the people to lift you to keep it nice and flat so and we're there in this field there's a couple of hundred people who have entered this competition and you know we're feeling a little bit kind of overawed already because there's teams of firemen there and there's teams of soldiers there and it's just our little church team and a couple of work colleagues but we're going to give it a go anyway and then they set us off on the course and I kid you not it's one of the hardest things I've ever done it was really really difficult they set us up they set us going uh, kind of up this very steep slope to get into the mountains. And they'd done a whole load of logging there a couple of weeks before. And so there were loads of trees lying down on the ground. And we had to climb over those and keep her steady. And we have finally got to the top of that. And then it was a thick forest where all the sticks were kind of sticking out from the branches. And we're having to go through the trees with her and getting spiked in the side. And, it was and then we got onto this very long track that seemed to just go on forever. It was a very hot day. And then it got into a kind of a boggy area uh, and the track went through some bogs and, and uh, there was one section where we got in kind of up to our waist and we were trying to keep her out of that and then sort of floundering around and in the, in, in the, you know, the, you know uh, mud in a bog doesn't smell good, really doesn't. And it was like oozing bubbles and, it, and it, came, we, we, you know, it was all caked on us. It was horrible. And then we were kind of continuing, you know, some, some teams overtook us. That's never good, is it, when you're in a race? Uh, and so, and then we came down the hill slowly, and uh, what was quite we, we did we did make it you know, and we, we raised this money for her. Uh, what was quite interesting was the different reactions to the work that was required of the team. So I had a colleague in from work, a guy called, a guy called Wayne, and I was really pleased with Wayne. Wayne really put his back into this adventure, and he worked hard and he was, you know, he was a real uh, uh, he, he pulled his weight. He really worked hard. I pulled my weight, I believe. There's a guy called Frank. Uh, he worked hard, although he panicked a, li- a little bit in one of the bogs because I'd put my foot on his thinking it was a rock and then his foot was on nothing. And I pushed him underneath, which wasn't good. So he, he didn't like that. But we, we kind of pulled our weight. However, there was a guy on the team called Stewart. And Stuart was lazy, and we spotted this quite soon. And at one point, uh, we were supposed to be all kind of running down this track, and Stuart was just running along, holding the pole with us like this. <laughs> and we're like, Stuart, you're not doing any work at all. You know, you are not pulling your weight here. So at the end, there was a river. I guess it was about as deep as the stages here. Quite fast flowing, nice and cold, hot day. Stuart goes in first because, you know, he needs to, he needs to know that he's not pulled his weight. Uh, we pulled him out and then we all jumped in with him because it, it was a great day. Really, really good. And the reason I share the story is I want to talk to you about kind of the idea of a, of a, of a load and a burden. And in fact, also a sacrifice. You know, for us doing that that day for Claire, we had her on our shoulders as a load to carry. And when you're tired with a load, you can put it down, can't you? We had a lot of rests that day because it was hot, and we put her down and we rested. And that's, that's one, in, in one way, that's the definition of a load. When you're carrying a load, when you get tired, you can put it down. However, Claire was carrying a burden. Claire's carrying a different form of load, which I'll call a burden for the purpose of this message. And that, a burden is something you can't put down. A burden is something that you carry all the time. And for her, it was her illness. Uh, she was carrying multiple sclerosis and needing to live with that. Uh, and so we may have finished our race that day. We may have done that thing for her. But she then went home. And she, to, to this day, she still battles very bravely against multiple sclerosis. And is still one of the cheerf- most cheerful people you'll ever meet. She's got a vibrant Christian faith, trusts in God, but carries this enormous burden. And in terms of sacrifice, sacrifice is when you decide that you're going to give something up for the benefit of someone else, but it kind of costs you in some way. There's something that you've done uh, that, is, that is bringing a level of pain maybe, or a level of difficulty, or a level of um, that you've gone out on a limb for another person to bless them in some way. That's a sacrifice. A sacrifice is something that you might do voluntarily where you say, I'm putting your needs ahead of mine but that, that might cost me. And it might cost me more than just a couple of days of fundraising and trotting around the hills and there may be a really big cost with the sacrifice. It may be that the cost of the sacrifice leaves you with some scars that won't ever go away. So we're talking about load, burden and sacrifice today. Um, and we're actually in the, uh, we are in part six of our series from the Last Supper and we're, we're journeying through John chapter 13 through to John chapter 17. I just want to encourage you that if you want to follow along in the notes that come with this message and the, the scripture references, if you want to see those, if you jump into your version Bible app, look at events, and then events, you'll see Birmingham City Church is live, and you can follow the text of the different scripture passages I'm going I'm to be using today, and also the stories, and you can make your own notes, and if you save that, you've then got that to go back to later on. So our series, uh, we've, gone, you know, we've gone through some very significant things in John's Gospel as Jesus speaks to the disciples before he goes to the cross. We've talked about the washing of feet and the laying down of self, uh, and how Jesus is so servant-hearted. We've talked about loving other, not just from the model we think love is, but from the model of, of who Jesus is. Uh, a new command I give you to, to love others as I have loved you, which potentially is on a whole level above what we think love is to other people. Uh, we've looked at the difficult issue of betrayal, haven't we? And we've uh, tried, to, tried to unpack where Judas went wrong and what was, what was wrong with all of his life. Then we've uh, looked at the way and the truth and the life. Uh, That monumental statement that Jesus makes in John 14, 6. And it's so big that I kind of narrowed it down to just looking at the way, didn't I? Because it was too large. Uh, And we we talked about the way and and how Jesus makes a way even when there isn't one. And then last week we looked at fruitfulness. And I showed you a picture of the two different apple trees that I can see as I look out from the back of my property in the adjacent gardens. And how, how one is great and being tended and how one has been completely overrun with ivy. And those are, that's a great visual parable of if we don't let God tend us and, and steward us, then something might come along and take us over, and maybe our lives don't turn out in quite the way we would hope. Uh, but today we're looking at load, burden, and sacrifice. And, uh, Ezra, uh, uh, yeah, Nitin, sorry, it was Ezron in the first service, uh, Nitin in the second, came to read for us from John 16, uh, verses 1 through to 15 there. And there's quite a few difficult things Jesus is saying there. Uh, If we just look through a moment, uh, he talks about the fact that they're going to come into some resistance at some point in the future. Um, There are some things, uh, you know, he says, not one of you asks me where you are going. Um, uh, And we know that Peter asked him that just three chapters back. and and, And perhaps the dialogue has moved out to the Garden of Gethsemane now. And he's saying... He's asking them again. Uh, he wants them to ask that uh, of him. Um, he's acknowledging their sorrow. He starts to talk about the, the, the role of the Spirit and that the Spirit's going to come uh, and, and the conviction of, of sin and righteousness and judgment. Um, and then he talks about how the Spirit will guide people into all truth. But as I was reading through this passage, uh, something jumped out at me. I don't know if this ever happens to you when you're reading the Bible, but a little phrase comes along and you think, oh, wait a minute, there's a whole lot of stuff in here. And this happened to me when I was preparing for this message. Um, and it's, it's from John 16, verse 12. Just read this with me a moment. It says this, I still have many things to tell you, but you can't bear them now. I still have many things to tell you, but you can't bear them now. And for me, sometimes it's the little sentences in God's word. It's the little what might almost be a throwaway comment, but it never is a throwaway comment in the Word, that, w- that they can grab your attention and they can end up being like a kind of a rabbit hole. And you go down it and suddenly you're, n- you're navigating some really good stuff and you're, you're getting into some really good thoughts. And I would always encourage you to follow those thoughts when you have a thought like, why is that there in the Bible? What's that phrase mean? What's really being said here? Follow it. That's like a, for me, that's like an invitation to a spiritual kind of feast because there's something to uncover, something to look at, something good to discover uh, in God's word. When Jesus says that, I think it raises lots and lots of questions. Imagine Jesus saying to us, well, I was going to tell you some things, but now I'm not, you can't bear it. Now, for me, that's like a red rag to a bull. I'm like, no, 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 no! tell me, Jesus. You know, don't don't exempt me from that. I want to know what it is. You know, tell me anyway. You know, we're almost like we're not trusting him that he's deciding that we're ready to have it or not. I, I want to know. I, I'm, I'm very keen to find out. So what was it that Jesus was going to tell them but decided he wouldn't? I mean, is that forever lost to history? That would be a shame. Or is it that the Spirit then is going to tell them later? And there's a sense in the next verse, verse 13, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into Uh, all the truth. So maybe what Jesus is saying is, I'm not going to say it now, but the Spirit's going to come along and say it later when you are ready to bear it. And I think that maybe there's a sense of that in there, isn't there? Then I start to think, do we go on a journey as disciples of being able to increase in our ability to bear things from God? In other words, does God give us tasks as we get more mature as disciples and as followers of Jesus that are heavier and heavier and that we can carry more uh, as, as disciples of Jesus? And that seems to make sense. In other words, Jesus has got them at a snapshot now, three years into their relationship, but later down the line, he may give them things to run and, and, and to carry, to run with and to carry that are much heavier. And therefore, our capacity can increase. And that would make sense to me because a journey of discipleship maturity is that at the beginning you can't carry so much and as as you move through your life you can carry more. And another question then raises uh, raises itself, what's the split between what Jesus can carry and what we carry? I'm fascinated by that and we know Jesus can carry a lot. So what is it that he carries and what do we carry? For instance, in something like an addiction, we know that Jesus is able to heal that But what what about the bit where we have to stop making the wrong choices? And how much effort do we put into that? And how much is that our willpower versus the Spirit giving us the desire to do the right thing? It's complicated, isn't it? It's not an easy equation to, uh, to manage. So there's lots and lots of questions that flow from, I still have many things to tell you, but you can't bear them now. That is setting me thinking, and I don't know about you, but I'm thinking, where is this going, Lord? What is it that you're wanting to bring? Let's just get into some definitions around a load, a burden, and a sacrifice. Let me just help you with this a little bit, because I think it will help us understand where we're going and and where I want to take the message. A load is something that can be really hard work, but it's primarily defined by the fact that you can put it down, and then you rest. So a load is something that you might work really hard on, and then effectively you can just lay it down. And you can walk away from it and you can start resting from the point that you walk away from it. So when we're in the hills with Claire, when we got tired, we put her down and we rested. And that's, that's, that's the definition of a load. And, and so many of us in this room, myself included, will have done jobs which were like just a load. You know, where you went and you worked hard for the day, but when you when you clocked off your shift, you went home and you didn't have a care about that job in the world. You just went home and you slept. I did a summer job one time drying hops in an oast house down in Kent. And I cycled to the farm in the morning. I spent sort of 12 hours a day dragging kind of hop flowers into this oast house. They all, you'll have to look that up online sometime, uh, but they all, dry, they all dry out in the oast house. And then when they're all dry, you pull them all back and you put them into bales. And it was really physically very hard work. And then I cycled home in the evening, but I didn't have a care in the world. That's a job which is a load. You do a load of physical work, and then you're out the door, and it doesn't matter. And we've all been through that kind of scenario, haven't we? So a load, in some ways, is quite easy to understand. A burden, however, is any kind of work or situation that you carry in your mind or heart at the time you're doing it and also when you're not doing it. It accompanies you out of the door when you clock off that night. Let me give you some examples of jobs where it's a burden. If you're the CEO, the chief executive officer of a big company, you carry the burden that that company works. If you're a fire chief, you carry the burden that the city doesn't burn down. If you're the prime minister, you carry the burden that politics is doing the right thing. You would hope, wouldn't you? Yeah? If you're a doctor, you carry the burden of your patients following your counsel. I read a stat somewhere that so many patients don't listen to the counsel of the doctor. And that really doesn't help. You know, when you go to the doctor, listen to what they say, um, but the doctor carries the burden that you will be well. If you're a school head or a school teacher, you carry the burden of hoping that your kids in your school do well and that they go on to great things and fulfill their potential. If you're a carer, you you carry the burden when you're not caring for for those people or that person that things will be all right when you're not there. If you're the police commissioner, you carry the burden that, that crime will gradually come down as a result of your police team's efforts throughout the city. You carry that in your, in your mind uh, when you're off duty. If you're a pastor, you carry the church in your mind and in your heart. You carry the journeys of people in your mind and in your heart and in your emotions. You carry it with you. If you're a business owner, you want that business to work. You carry it if it's in debt. If you're a nurse, you care about the people on your ward. If you're an employer, you are worried about making sure that you can pay your employees at the end of the month. If you're a team leader, you're caring about the performance of your team. Any role that follows you out of the door when you're done for the day is a burden. There are situations that you can go through in life that are a burden too. And it's interesting because some of them, in this list I'm going to share with you, not all of them are negative, Some of them are, but not all of them are. Let me share some of them with you. Grief can be a burden. It will not go away for a really long time. They say it takes two years to properly recover after a grief. And so much of that is to do with, in the first year, you go through all the seasons for the first time without that person that you loved, and all the anniversaries. And then in the second year, you go through all the seasons and the anniversaries, but you've had one that you've got through before. And then by the end of the second year you're beginning to stabilize and manage yourself. That's a burden right there. Disappointment, betrayal, debt, failure. These can be burdens. Equally positive things we we might say fame, success, wealth. These can be burdens. All sorts of different things can carry mind space. They can occupy mind space and then they come with you on your mental journey throughout your day. That is what a burden is. Being a parent. Oh man, that's a massive burden. Whoa. Oh, I'd like to say that that scarred me, but it hasn't really. <laughs> Redundancy, rejection from a social circle, relationships that haven't worked or that really do work, but they're high maintenance. A burden is anything you can't put, ta- put down because you carry it all the time. Now, a sacrifice is any kind of a load or a burden that you decide to pick up because you're putting others ahead of you in a way that ends up removing something precious, back, pr- precious of you back. So, in other words, you do something for someone else, and then it ends up taking something off you. Now, in, in, the, in the case of Claire going around the mountains, all it took off of, off of us was a bit of effort and a couple of days of fundraising, and, and really the sacrifice in that was minimal, really small, but there are some things that have got big sacrifices attached to them and they really remove something precious from you, they can remove money from you, they can remove time, they can, they can take a toll on your emotions, uh, they might even take a toll on your health. A sacrifice is a load or a burden that you pick up for others that can have the potential to scar you, that can affect you in your spirit, you carry it for a long, long time afterwards. Maybe you carry it forever, for the rest of your earthly life. You know, one of the reasons that we celebrate um, military heroes every year on Remembrance Day is because they are people who have carried a load, literally, with their their backpack and their rifle and their boots and running out to whatever war it is that they've gone to. They carry a burden because they need to win the war. Uh, They can't let their side down. They can't desert. They've got their national pride at stake or whatever it might be. And they've got a sacrifice in mind. And some of our war heroes come back very, very scarred from the things that they have seen through. And so one of the reasons our societies around the world honor people like that is because they've carried all three, a load, a burden, and a sacrifice. That's what's going on with that. Now turn with me to Genesis 22. I want to share something with you um, that really highlights the nature of of a, a load, a burden, and a sacrifice incredibly clearly. Um, and we're then going to come full circle back to the Last Supper in this verse in John sixteen twelve. So Genesis 22 is the time when God tested Abraham and asked him to sacrifice Isaac, his son, which seems an incredibly barbaric thing to do. But as we get into the story, we'll understand w- what's going on here. Read with me from Genesis 20, uh, 22 from verse 1. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, here I am, he answered. Take your son, he said, your only son Isaac, whom you love, go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. So Abraham got up early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took with him two of his young men and his son Isaac. He split wood for a burnt offering and set out to go to the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there to worship, then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac. In his, in his hand he took the fire and the knife, and the two of them walked on together. Then Isaac spoke to his father Abraham and said, My father? And he replied, Here I am, my son. Isaac said, The fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Then the two of them walked on together. When they arrived at the place that God had told them about, Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood. He bound his son Isaac and placed him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he replied, here I am. Then he said, do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your only son from me. Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering in place of his son. And Abraham named that place the Lord will provide. So today it is said it will be provided on the Lord's mountain. I just want to say to you that that mountain that Abraham climbed with Isaac, uh, Bible scholars believe it's very, very likely that that's the hill that, climbed, that Jesus climbs to go to the cross. Very likely. It's, it's, they're almost sure that it's the one in the same place. And if you think about that, how far back Genesis 22 is in time, and then how significant this is in terms of the cross, that's an incredible thing to be in the same physical geographical place. Don't you think? I mean, that's just astonishing. But the story, and the reason I share the story with you is that it's a very helpful illustration of load, burden, and sacrifice. If you were looking at the two of those guys climbing the mountain, Abraham and Isaac, you would see that Isaac is carrying a load. He's got the bundle of sticks on his back, hasn't he? You can see that. That's very, very easy to see. If Isaac needs a rest, he can just put the sticks down and he can pause and they can stop walking. That's easy, isn't it? Well, I mean, it's relatively easy. It's a long time since I've carried a bundle of sticks up a mountain. I'm sure it's not that easy. But it's comparatively easy. Abraham, on the other hand, he's walking up the mountain with a burden. He's walking up the mountain with some knowledge and some responsibility that will not go away until he's fulfilled the thing that God has asked him to do. That's That's a very different deal, isn't it? Very different thing. And what's kind of curious is if you look at this from the side, if you were an observer watching this, you'd look on those two walking up the hill and you'd say, well, Isaac's the one doing the work. What's, what's the old man doing? He's not lifting a finger. And that can be the case sometimes with a burden and a load, can't it? Um, somebody seems to be working and somebody else doesn't seem to be working, but actually the person that doesn't seem to be working is carrying way, way more than the person who seems to be working. I had a a very fun conversation with my eldest son, George, a while back, uh, who told me that he really wanted to be a pastor. And I said, well, why do you want to be a pastor? And he he said, uh, well, you know, you guys just sit around chatting and drinking coffee and making PowerPoints all day. (laughs) 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 Because what he could see, that was what he felt was the work. You know, it's really helpful if you're a person in an organization that doesn't carry the burden. If you are willing to carry a load in an organization, it means that the person who's carrying the burden doesn't have to carry the burden and the load. And so sometimes, like uh, around schools, around uh, council offices, or around educational establishments, around church, around wherever it is you are, if you're a person that's not on point to carry the burden, be mindful of the people who are on point to carry the burden and see if you can help them by carrying the load if you can pick up the sticks and do the easy thing and then rest that means that the person carrying the burden isn't doing both and that's a really helpful little insight for us I want to say to us this morning that the reason I've shared this story is that Jesus carries all three up the hill go with me on this for just a moment Jesus carries a load a burden and a sacrifice Jesus carries wood up the hill but let me tell you, it's a little bit heavier than some sticks. It's a cross. That's a whole different ballgame than a bundle of sticks. Jesus is carrying a load up the hill to Calvary, to the cross, to the, to the site of his crucifixion. He's carrying a burden up a hill. He carries the burden of his mission and the fact that it's on him to make sure that all the people who would receive him from his uh, crucifixion and resurrection onwards would then get into heaven. And we know the degree to which he carried that burden from his prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, don't we? Father, take the cup of this suffering from me, and yet not as I will, you will. And when he says cup, he's talking about an incredible trial that he has to face. The, The trial that he's about to face as he's talking to the disciples right now in John 16. It's coming in a few hours. There's no plan B with Jesus. Jesus is it. Jesus is plan A. What we saw in Genesis 22 was plan B. There was, a, there was a test of Abraham to see if he would be willing to make what he was asked by God the plan A. But when he got to the point of showing that he was about to do it, God whistled in with plan B and, and lifted that responsibility off of him. And the whole deal with that story is it's in complete contrast to what Jesus has to, has to do which, where there's no plan B. Jesus is it. Jesus is the sacrifice as he walks up the hill. There isn't a ram caught in a thicket. There isn't a plan B somewhere else. There isn't another person that can come and take the sins of the world on their shoulders on the cross. It is Jesus. Jesus is plan A. God does not step in and produce a replacement. Jesus is the sacrifice. Now here is the staggering thought that I ended up having as a result of reading John 16, 12. I still have many things to tell you, but you can't bear them now. Can you see that even with all of the things we've said about Jesus going up the hill and all of the the massive thing that was about to happen in the next few hours, can you see that Jesus has the capacity to to pause in his thinking and understand what we're thinking. He is not totally occupied by his task. He has the presence of mind in the middle of talking to the disciples to say, hold on a minute, I can see that this is hard for you. And I'm going to back off what I was going to tell you. Now that tells me that he's got the capacity to understand someone, someone else's mind space, even when his own mind space is massively occupied with the task that might lie ahead. And that, for me, is off the scale kind. Don't you think? Like if I was going to go to the cross tomorrow, I would love to think that I'll be all magnanimous and worry about your mind space, but I'm probably not going to. Can I just say that? I'm just going to be honest and say that I'm going to struggle with that. Jesus doesn't see, if he does struggle with it, he compartmentalizes it and puts it away for the sake of other people. And that in itself is sacrificial. That's amazing, actually. What an incredible guy Jesus is, to be able to do that in that space. John 16, 12, I still have many things to tell you, but you can't bear them now. Never mind all the stuff I'm about to face in a few hours' time. I'm concerned about your mind space right now. And we're not going to go further with some of the things I was going to tell you, because I can tell that you're full. That's real care. Is, even under the hugest pressure, you've got time for someone else's mind space. That is massively, massively impressive right there. Um, Ohi, are you in the house somewhere? Yeah, you are. Come on out with me, please. I want to show you something about the nature of how Jesus helps us bear a burden. There's a a great teaching uh, in Matthew 11, uh, 29 to 30, and it says this. Jesus says this, take my yoke upon you and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now a yoke was something that just come and step here thank you so much Ohi. Um, A a, a yoke is something that was like a piece of wood that would go across the shoulders of two oxen side by side to be able to help them plow a field and then the farmer would be behind the oxen, uh, oxen and the oxen would drive ahead but the yoke would keep them together and they would they would share strength. They would be in it together. Okay. So if you imagine, if you put your, if you imagine, oh, he's Jesus and I'm just a bloke. Okay. And um, the the yoke is, <laughs> the yoke is on, <laughs> the yoke is on our shoulders together. Okay. And what I'm what I'm getting by being in a yoke with Jesus is I'm getting his strength. He is alongside me. Look at this image, BCC. This is Jesus in your life with you, helping you with strength. He's right next to you. He is helping you. He is giving you his strength. You are not doing this journey of your life on your own. Amen? Thank you, Ohi. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) I love the way that Eugene Peterson does this in the message. Uh, He says this, of the same passage. He says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. That is the person that we worship, church. That is the person that you've invited into your heart. That's the person who is yoked to you through all of the, the, the parts of the journey of your life, no matter how hard it gets. The same person who's got the, the, the ability emotionally to, to focus on your mind space even when he's under the most intense pressure of anyone ever faced, I think, in the whole history of the world, that he can, he can do that is incredible. I'm going to ask our worship team just to come up and uh, you guys can just begin to play. Thank you. Psalm 68, 19 says this, blessed be the Lord day after day, he bears our burdens God is our salvation. Have you ever had the uh, the temptation that when you've got a massive day ahead that you're going to skip the devotional bit and just get straight to the tasks ahead? Have you ever had that temptation? Or is that just me? Yeah? Big day? You think, oh, I need to get straight into pre- preparation of that? Right, I- I'll do my devotion at lunchtime, Lord. I really will. I'll sit in the car. I'll do it on the bus home. And by of course, by then, your mind is full of other stuff and you don't do it. Anyone else? Yeah, okay. I've done that, and over the years, I've decided that that's a non-negotiable for me. I, as far as I possibly can, I never let myself do that, and it, it's really served me in good stead. And today was a classic example of it serving me in good stead because that Psalm sixty-eight nineteen, "Blessed be the Lord, day after day He bears our burdens. God is our salvation." Came up in today's reading, and we're talking about burdens, and the Nicky Gumbel on the plan. Uh, you know the the, the U version plan for the year that we're all reading as a church. He did think a thing called how to re, how to deal with five burdens. And I like, come on, Lord, thank you so much. I'm so glad I didn't give in to that temptation because God fed me in my hour of need, in in that point at which I'm bringing a message. And I think that that's really important that we all understand that. Don't give up on the on the, the quiet times with God. Don't give up on those prayer times because especially when the pressure's big because you will handle the pressure better when you give it the time because God will speak to you in that pressure. God will actually come in and actually speak to that pressure for you. So don't allow, don't allow that in your lives, church. Be diligent because God will help you at those times. That's just a little aside in some ways. So would you stand with me? And I'm gonna suggest some responses to today's message. Uh, would you stand please? Thank you, church. In terms of load and burden and sacrifice, I'm pretty confident in saying that in this room, there are a number of burdens represented. Really significant burdens. I know lots of your lives. I know not lots of the things that you carry. And I'm just going to make a simple appeal today. that as we're, as we're worshiping, and as Kevin and the team lead us in, in our last worship song, If there's a burden of any kind that you're carrying, that you would like, like as Ohi showed us Jesus did, if you would like Jesus' strength just to be reassured around you, then why don't you just come and do some do some time with God? Come and spend some time with Jesus, and I'm going to ask you to actually move your body and come out because that declaration of "No, I'm going to move my feet and step and stand." you know you might think as pastor I'm always asking that I'm asking it on your behalf because I think as you move your body as you take steps God meets you and and Jesus comes to bless you and the Holy Spirit will fill you if you are carrying any kind of burden today even if it's a small burden but it's that it's the thing that never goes out of your mind come and give it to Jesus because he is in the yoke with you and come and make that declaration and Jesus will put his arm around you and he'll give you his strength So just come now, just as we're singing. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, worship team.